looking at 1 Samuel 18 and 19. And uh, before we start there, I just wanted you to think about a couple of things. One is, uh, Jesus said, in this world, uh, you will have trouble. But take heed, I have overcome the world. It's a reality that you and I are kind of faced with um, over and over, is that we can't we can look at all different aspects of our life and try to figure out ways uh, to make it as trouble-free as possible. You may say, oh, well, I don't want this to be this way, and I don't want that to be that way, so I'm going to make these decisions. And I was talking to somebody this last week, actually on Friday, and they said, that person never looks beyond what's right in front of them. They're never thinking the second, third, fourth, like, you know, thing that could happen as a result of decision that they make. And so as a result, since they just see what's in front of them, uh, they are constantly kind of facing more trouble than they need to kind of. But when we think in terms of Jesus speaking about the trouble that we would face, we're speaking in terms of following him. It's not just uh, when we follow Jesus, it's not that it's not that like we should be looking for trouble. But the reality is Jesus spoke to his disciples and in his last times with them, he kind of reiterated and reiterated and reiterated that trouble would come. Actually, uh, Paul told Timothy, all who desire to live godly will endure persecution. And so you could say for someone you would, and I think it's important to say this, that's why Jesus constantly said, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross and follow me. He, he was reminding them that, listen, there is a cost to discipleship. There is a cost to following Jesus. There's, it's not like you're saying like, hey, uh, you're signing up for the easiest life. But behind the costly present, you might say, is a future glory. And so we constantly need to remind one another of those truths. Um, It made me think of like uh, 1 John chapter 5 in verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except for the one who believes in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God? The world is in John, in in his uh, writing, especially in 1 John, the world is set before you as something that is is opposed to the things of God, and he is saying, listen, put your faith in Jesus, follow him, you're, you're following after him, and in doing so, know this, that he overcame the world, you will overcome the world. And so I think this morning, this needs to be on our hearts, because we do always read Old Testament narrative, we read it uh, as Christians, as people who understand the New Testament, and so we have to kind of put that uh, into place. This morning we're going to be thinking about how you could be walking faithfully with the Lord, enduring suffering as a result, and yet God being faithful to watch over you, protect you, be with you, and guide you through all of that trouble. And so I just think that's uh, something that you and I need to see. And, and, and really, um, that's what you'll see as you unpack this text with me this morning and look at it uh, together with me. Um, when David was anointed by Samuel, so when he's anointed as king, and if you think about your own life, you might say, you know what, there, there's certain things that, boy, that would be amazing to be. Like it, it would be uh, Prince Harry, love to be Prince Harry, or what, whatever you might say. Uh, wouldn't it be amazing to be in this place or that place or this place? And, and really, everybody's trying a lot of times to be king of whatever world that they live in, Right? They want to dominate it. They want to be the best. They want to be at the top. 
And what happens is with David, though, God anoints him as king, which is the preeminent place in the kingdom, right? And he immediately is led into trouble. And it continues throughout his whole life. It just is one thing after another for David. He is in battle after battle, in difficult times, in struggles. And yet you see throughout it all, God is providentially at work doing his, his plan, accomplishing his plan in the life of David. And so I think for you and I, we just have to say, as I am led by the Spirit of God, if I am led by the Spirit of God, if I am a Christian, I have to know that I am following a king who lived a troublesome life in the present, but is exalted in glory. And he tells us, you will follow me in the present through trouble and you will experience the great glory that I have prepared for you. And so I think we need to constantly read that when we read this text. So what about this story? Let's just think about it just for a moment. King Saul is after David, longing to kill him because of his success. Uh, There are a number of people in David's life that try to, uh, to, to help him in his times of trouble with Saul. And ultimately, we see God as his protector. So this spirit-empowered success uh, is also doesn't come without foes. You know, that's one thing you could say. And, um, and friends, and ultimately, God is your protector. And so we're going to see that as we move through this text. So let's go to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18. And I want you to think about David's success just for a minute. Because it, it, and if, you were, uh, if I were sitting there where you are, uh, I would generally have um, a Bible open, whether it would be, you know, on my iPad or in, in print. But I would be marking things if I saw things that were repeated. A couple of things here that are just important to mark would be, one, the term of success. Look at verse 5, verse 14, verse 15, and verse 30 in chapter 18. 5, 14, 15, and 30. You see the word success? Let's just look at those. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. Verse 14. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Verse 15. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe. Verse 30. Then the commander of the Philistines came out to battle, and as often as they came out, David had more success than all the servants of Saul. So what are you saying? You're saying... There is this, like, what dominates David's life is, is really spirit-empowered success. That, that's something that you see. He has victory over uh, his enemies. He is a spiritual warrior. David experiences great victories throughout this chapter, and it is like when the Lord is on your side, that's kind of the picture here, it's inevitable that he is going to see victory. I think sometimes, and this is something I struggle with, probably you struggle with, where you say, you know, like, well, I mean, I mean, when you ask somebody, how are you doing? Well, we're doing okay. Every time. It's like, how many weeks am I going to ask you that? You're going to respond the same way. Well, it's, you know, it, the, the Christian life is not really, if the Spirit is working in you, that means if you're a Christian, it's, it's not just something where you say, well, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. No, he, he, is, he is working on our behalf. He is on, on our side. We are not living in constant state of just everything's horrible in our lives. God is with us. He is 
working with us. And I think we have to be reminded that sometimes we forget that reality. Another thing just to say is like, like Goliath, the Philistines cannot stand against this man that knows the living God. They just can't. That's why I said earlier, like, that's what First John, it says that you will overcome the world. If you are with Jesus, in one sense, you could say you have and you will overcome. That's just a reality. Now, if you were to think about like a sampling of his success, because it was not just, you know, the text says it, but other people noticed it in verses five through seven. David's successful wherever he goes, verse 6. As they were coming home, when David returned to striking down the Philistine, the, the women came out of the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with a song of joy and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul is struck down his thousands and David his ten, ten thousands. What, what are they saying? Wherever he goes, the Lord is using him to bring victory to the people of God as they endure like the onslaught of the Philistines. They are being overthrown by this one who's been anointed king, but has not like come into the fullness of that. He is acting that out. Verse 16, it says, But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. And what? He brought victory for them. It was really the king was to guide the people and direct the people as he followed the Lord, listened to his word, said under his authority, then he was to go out and to guide the people to victory. Now, another thing you just see, and I'm not going to look at all the texts this morning because there's a lot, but, but Saul asked for, uh, really, he tries to trick David into going out and, and being killed. He says, hey, I'll give you a daughter. And all you have to do to pay the bride price, I know you don't have any money, you have to go out, bring me back uh, like 100 or 200, depends on, the text kind of gets a little confusing there, uh, foreskins that he was to bring back, and he brought them back, and it was basically, he went out and killed 200 men. And so we see David, and, and we see his success, and it's over and over, it's noted. Now, think about this with me real quick. So we have David's success just kind of painted before you, but you also have David's foe, and you'll see that in verse 12, 15, 29. We're going to note this, but notice why Saul does not like David. There's, there's a word mentioned in verse 12, 15, and 29. He was afraid. Saul, Saul feared him. I mean, there are times when God is, is working in the life of his people, and particularly David as king here in this whole situation where fear kind of strikes them. We see that with Jesus where the people, uh, the leaders were afraid of what was happening. The people were cheering. Uh, there was a lot of people following him and they were afraid. And the, their fear, you kind of say, like some people say, you know what, when I get afraid, like I run away. And other people say, I fight. Saul is one who is going to fight against him in multiple different ways. You'll see again in verse 12, verse 15, verse 29, he is afraid of David. Now, what does it lead him to do? Uh, you'll look at chapter 19. I want you to see verse 1, 2, 11, and 15. You ready? There's, one, there's a repeated word there. Verse 1, verse 2, verse 11, verse 15. Does anybody see that? What's the repeated word? Anybody see it? It's the word kill. Chapter 19, verse 1, verse 2, verse 11, 
in verse 15. So his fear leads to him wanting to kill him. He wants to kill David. He wants to destroy him. You see in verse 1, And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. Again, like David is, David is like bringing like hope and salvation to the people. Like that's, that's what you're seeing in this text. Like he's rescuing them from all of these troubles that they're facing from their enemies. And, and really he's doing this on behalf of Saul. And yet, like in the middle of that, Saul looking out thinking he's going to take away my kingdom in his fear, he decides to kill him. He tries to do it with his own spear. When that didn't work, he tries other ways. You can just see that, though. Let's just note that real quick in verses 8 through 15 of chapter 18. And Saul was very angry, and and this saying displeased him. He he says, oh, look what they're saying about him. He kept eyeing him in verse 9. Then verse 10, the next day a, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while he while David was playing the lyre as he did day by day. Saul had a spear in his hand and Saul hurled the spear for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. Why? Because he feared him. He feared what was taking place. So we started out and we said, okay, here's David, this, this anointed king having all this success. Wherever he went, uh, there was success and the people were recognizing it and they were cheering him on because they were so uh, grateful for the, the, the feats that God was doing through him. And then Saul, looking at the situation, says like, I don't want anything else to do with him. I'm going to silence him. I'm going to silence him forever. I am going to kill him. So we have David's success David's foe, and now his friends. And I just want you to note that here because, again, we're looking at repeated things within the narrative, which is how I study the Bible. If you, Some people like sit down to read their Bible and they say, just like, I'll read it today and write down a few things uh, that, that speak to me kind of thing or whatever. What, what I generally try to do is, is I'm asking, what does the text say? And so I'm seeing key repeated phrases, and as I see those, I realize the more this is like mentioned, uh, it, it begins to kind of rise uh, to the surface, and it, you know, it kind of tells you what is taking place. So notice what happens here. You see the term love. Like I said, in ver- chapter 18, verse 1, verse 3, Verse 16, verse 20, verse 22, and verse 28. And so in my mind, it's like there's like this series of people, these people around David who loved him. So he's having success because he is led by the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. He is going out and crushing the enemies of God. The, I mean, the, 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 the leader of the, or the kind of like who once was the leader of the kingdom really is not any longer Saul. He sees what is going on and he wants to silence him forever because he's afraid of him. And so he seeks to kill him. But in the text, we see that God is using this, this love for him with these little individuals working along the way to bless him and to strengthen him throughout his trouble you'll notice even Saul's son it says that Jonathan loved him as his own soul 
that their souls were knit together. There was this deep love here. And Jonathan is David's senior by many years. Jonathan's one of those guys that um, uh, you would think like he, he, of all people, you would think he would be on the side of his father. Because if he like pours into David and does what he does for David, it means he doesn't get the kingdom. And you, what you see in this text is he actually takes everything that he has, which is a sign of him being a prince, and hands it over to David. Almost like submitting it to him. Handing it over to him. And, and he is totally committed to David. Jonathan is a picture of a sacrificial person offering up himself, saying, in a way, it kind of reminds you of John the Baptist where he says, he must become greater, I must become less. He's like driving forward in that way. Verse 3, then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Verse 16, but all Israel loved him. Verse 20, Saul's daughter, Michael, loved him. Verse 22, behold, the king is delight in you and all his servants love you. Even Saul's servants have a love for him. Verse 28, but when Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David and that Michael, Saul's daughter, loved him. Again, it's just kind of a reminder here. Now, we're going to see some different things about that later, but just it's a beautiful picture of, of him being surrounded, even though like um, the powers that be were like trying to destroy him. He is surrounded by peoples or people who have a love for him. Chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Even Jonathan stands up to his father and says, David's done nothing but good for you. Don't do him wrong. It's just an over and over kind of picture of people standing alongside him. So we have David's success, his foe and Saul, his friends and Jonathan and many others. And then the final thing I would just want to point out for you is his protector. The final two terms that would kind of come to my mind are the Lord and the Spirit of God. In 1812, look, look at that with me. And I know we don't do this every week, but this is just kind of like as I worked through it, I thought I'm just going to show you this. Hopefully it will help you. In 1812, it says Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. Sometimes I think that we uh, forget like how powerful a statement that is to, to, for the Lord to be with you. You see that in the life of Joseph. You see it here in the life of David. In verse 14, and David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. Like the, the source of his victory and the source of his protection is that the Lord is with him. The Lord is strengthening him. The Lord is keeping him. The Lord is watching over him. Verse or chapter 19, verse 5. For he took his life in his hand and he struck down, Jonathan says, the Philistine and the Lord worked a great salvation for all Israel. He's just saying all along the way, the Lord is with him. So he said, David has success. This success leads to Saul fighting against him, trying to destroy him. Saul is his kind of foe that says, I'm going to silence him forever. He might take the kingdom from me. And then we say, 
but there are there's a series of people there that are his friends that stick close to him that come alongside him that are seeking his good and and seeking his protection and and wanting good for him but behind all of that because sometimes you might say um if you were david if if you just were just looking at it before getting to, to kind of focus in on the lord you might say well i mean why has my life had so much trouble after following the Lord or after the Lord anointing me with oil? I mean, the rest of my life has been troublesome. But in all of that, there, there's not a moment that David is in danger because the Lord is his protector. It may look like he's in danger. I mean, all hell might be coming against him. But that doesn't keep him from being under the protection of God. And we see that the Lord is with him over and over and over again. In 1 Samuel um, 19, uh, verse 5, 20 and 23, we see the Spirit of God working on his behalf. Not, not even just empowering him, but going out. Saul sent people to go get David and destroy David and kill David. And these messengers went out to get him. And when they go out, like the Spirit of God comes upon them and they begin to prophesy. We don't know what they said even. We just know that they were so dominated by the Spirit of God that they were unable to do the task that they had to do. Finally, Saul says, good night. I've sent two rounds of people over there. I'll go. And the Spirit of God comes upon him. Saul begins to prophesy. He throws his clothes off and lays on the ground for 24 hours. I mean, it's just insane. But all along the way, we see God doing his work, protecting his chosen one. Now, what do we do with it? I think it's always important to ask ourselves as Christians, what, what do we do? I think, one, we say we're always kind of driving back to saying, okay, who is, okay, we have, we know in the New Testament, David's son and David's Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ shows up on the scenes. And we know that there was Herod, the, the so-called king, the, the, the self-appointed king kind of, of Israel, and he seeks to take Jesus' life. We know that all along the way, as Jesus has success in not necessarily military battles, but as he faces sin and disease and disorder and all that kind of stuff, when he faces those things, he overcomes them. Everything about Jesus, when you're watching him, you're saying, this is a king like no other. He's not just fighting physical battles. He is fighting spiritual battles. And he's not just fighting uh, 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 some of the things that people would say, oh, Oh yeah, overcome Rome. Like he's doing some something so much greater. And when Jesus comes on the scenes, when the religious leaders and the the powers that be, both on the Gentile side and uh, the Jewish side, the whole of the, the the people out there, when they watch this take place, they're like, "We've got to do something about this. We have to destroy this. D- this. We're going to have to put this down. We're going to have to find a way to get him." His success is drawing the people out in droves and he's going he's gonna to bring about some horrible thing for us. And so ultimately they keep coming after him, him, coming after him. And along the way he gathers those who he'll call his friends, his disciples, and they'll, they'll walk with him. And, and, and they'll, they'll, um, when we get to this place, they'll stammer kind of and, and be weakened because Jesus is not just going, I mean, 
God's going to allow him uh, to not be protected completely. He's ultimately, he dies. The eternal son of God who became man goes to the cross and dies. And his disciples are, are frightened and they're worried and all those things. And as we studied last week, on the third day, he rose again victorious from the grave. He, he's raised up. It's almost through his death, victory comes. And so when you're looking at this text and you're thinking about all of these things, you're saying Jesus was successful in all that he set out to do. It was more than just the crowds coming out and praising him, but ultimately it would be myriads upon myriads of people throughout the, throughout the ages that would praise and worship and honor him. Jesus had enemies, both physical enemies and spiritual enemies, but ultimately all of those enemies and all of the trouble that they brought, they, had, they did not have victory over him. Now you say, okay, so I know he has friends i know he had a foe i know he had success i know that the the lord was with him through it all except when he comes to the cross we see him abandoned but i know that he were he was raised back up victorious and his offering of himself this sacrifice was accepted i i know that so how do we go from there i would just say for us we have to say we are now witnesses of that message. We go out with that message into the world. And we go out knowing that if we're following Jesus, led by his spirit, you're not, it's not going to be easy. I mean, if you're just living for yourself, that's one thing. But if you're led by the spirit of God to go out and to be a witness of what he's done, like he, a servant is not greater than his master. And if they hated him, they will hate you. Trouble will come. Trouble will follow you in many different ways. But as you walk with him faithfully, we can know, one, that God has created a church, which is a glorious thing for us to be among friends and to, to walk together, to fight together, to stand with one another. And we can know that even though it's really difficult at times, that God is with us. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you or forsake you. I, 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 I will stick close to you. Like I will be with you to the end of the age. It's some of us like we're saying, well, life is this and life is that. But just know this, like he is with us. If you're walking through what you consider the valley of the shadow of death, uh, you should fear no evil for he is with you. If you are moving forward and you're looking at life and thinking, man, how am I going to make it or how are we going to make it this year? Know that he is with us. You say, but you don't understand. I have a lot of frightening things going on in my life and around my life and surrounding my life. And I would say, run to the Lord. He is watching over you. He is with you and run to his people who would walk alongside you and fight alongside you and would be befriend you and that are close to you and are seeking your good and know this that you should be strong and courageous and not tremble or be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go i think we should be a people known for our boldness for living for the kingdom of god with boldness doing so without fear confronting whatever battles the lord has us by faith 
and knowing that he is the victor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would show us with a deeper sense of of gratitude in our hearts. Show us that we are more than protected. That Jesus did combat our enemies. That he was victorious over them. That he faced what we could not face for ourselves. And that he came forth from the grave. King and Lord of all. We know that every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. We pray that we as his people who are confessing that weekly. Would live in light of it. We would trust you. Walk with you. And be faithful to you. In everything that we do. In Christ's name. Amen.